0: Welcome to Advancing All Women with Next Up. On this show, you'll hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics of the moment for women in the workplace, including key issues that affect the advancement of women, creating better workplaces for women of color, DEI&B solutions, and more.
1: Imagine this. Every day as you leave for work, you leave your true self at home. You hide a secret because every day when you go to work, you fear that someone is going to find that secret out. Every day when you go to work, you have to think twice, if not thrice, before saying or sharing anything that might betray the secret. You have to think about what you wear, you know, what genuine emotion you may choose to show or who you socialize with. The reality is that this secret, if found out, can and sadly probably will be judged in most cases and could be the very reason why you don't advance in your career. I vividly remember my parents telling us kids, don't ever rock the boat. Particularly me, I drove my very, very conservative father absolutely nuts. The love of my life is Jewish, need I say more? That's a whole nother show and discussion. My parents would also say, don't ever show emotion at at home and absolutely never, ever at work. Life and work should be two completely separate universes. Never the twain shall meet, they would say. Check yourself at the door when you go to work. So let me share some stats which clearly tell us why we as leaders cannot, simply cannot support this clearly outdated philosophy. And these are all stats from an incredible group, HRC, Human Rights Campaign, and they've done surveys. And in these surveys, they found that over half of LGBTQ workers say they are closeted at work. One in five LGBTQ workers report having been told or had coworkers imply that they should dress in a more feminine or masculine way. 43% of LGBTQ workers report hearing jokes about lesbian or gay or trans people at least once in a while. 31% of LGBTQ workers say they have felt unhappy or depressed at work. And the top reason that LGBTQ workers don't report negative comments they hear about themselves to a supervisor human resources, well, they don't think anything's ever gonna be done about it. And they don't wanna hurt their relationships with coworkers or jeopardize their careers. Today, you will hear from two incredible, absolutely incredible workers that that strategy of check yourself at the door in many cases in the recent past, has still had to be embraced. And when they revealed their true selves, they weren't always supported with open minds and hearts, but most importantly, how they continue to surmount these challenges and change minds and hearts. They are both so graciously going to share their journey, their learnings, and how this secret which truly defines who they are and their true and beautiful selves. And guess what? It is not a secret. How as leaders was how, how, how we step up and out to support diversity of all dimensions in our cultures and companies? I am Sarah Alter, your host of our Advancing All Women podcast and proudly the CEO and president of Next Step. And my pronouns are she and her but I'm joined by two incredible leaders. We have Mark Anthony Vita, who we are going to refer to as Mav. He is a managing director at Accenture and Natalie Egan, CEO and founder of Translator. Um, Welcome Mav and welcome Natalie. So glad you're here today.
2: Hey Sarah, thanks for having us. I appreciate it.
1: Of course. My pleasure and welcome Natalie.
3: Yeah, Sarah, thank you so much for having me. It's very exciting. Um, lots of emotions brewing for me as you are doing the intro. So I'm I'm trying to get ready for this. So
0: it's I know. good to be here. No,
1: no, it 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 like it's it's you know, I always, you know, do my research and my preparation the night before and you know, and I was like all over Google, right? You know, and and I just kept thinking about like. You know how my parents had said, "Yeah, uh, check yourself at the door," yeah. and it just it connected immediately with I know the stories that you're going to share, and then most importantly, how we're going to guide leaders to be better leaders because that is not how one should live their lives, right? And anywho, so Natalie, let's let's kick it off with you. Um, please, you know, share with with our incredible audience, you know, your personal and professional journey you know, we we were like, thankfully, we miraculously stumbled across you, found you, and I'm so excited you're here today.
3: Oh, well, I'm so glad to be found, and um, I'm so glad <laughs> to be part of this conversation. Thank you for having me, and to say, to formally say good morning to everybody, or hello, and um, not good morning, I don't know where, what time you're listening to this, uh, or it, where you uh, are, oh.
1: but Oh, we have everybody across all time zones. So yeah, you're right. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Sorry,
3: uh, but uh, but hi everyone. My name is Natalie Egan. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I'm, as uh, Sarah mentioned, I'm the CEO and founder of a company called Translator, where we build diversity, equity, and inclusion training and analytics uh, software for corporations, schools, and nonprofits. Um, I'm thrilled to be here. This is, this is part of my journey. This whole thing, you know, this you know representation, telling my story is part of my journey. Not everyone's journey, of course, um, but I, I it's a real privilege and honor to be here with you, uh, with you both and with you all. Um, in terms of uh, my journey, my background, just some of the stuff you talked about today that really hit home, I mean, I was told not to rock the boat, like do not rock the boat. And I grew up in a family that was like, I mean, I felt like we should have been yeah. on the cover of like... Like a holiday j crew catalog from like the 80s you know like all wearing the same plaid outfits with like the perfect is everything was perfect like it was just right. and i and i was told do not rock the boat and i and i did not rock the boat <laughs> and um until until about six or seven years ago uh, when i think the i don't know if the belt the boat capsized or i don't know if it was tipped over i don't know if i was thrown out i don't know what happened but um but i i came out as a transgender woman about 7 years ago and um it is you know obviously been a journey for me um but um but yeah you know i think the the old ways of doing business i would sort of categorize then so my dad by the way it was very successful was like what i call like conform and assimilate like conform assimilate conquer you know command and control my way or the highway yeah. like everybody's the same and that worked for survival and that's what drove capitalism and today that's all changing. And thank God, uh, thank goodness, that's changing. Um, but um, yeah, and I'm excited to talk about that. Uh, but in terms of my journey and how I got here, uh, just quickly, or as quickly as I can, I'm a serial entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I have been starting businesses since, since I was a little kid, uh, trying to solve problems, you know, help people make a little bit of money on the side. Um, and uh, today I run this company called Translator. Like I mentioned earlier, um, you know, I think, I don't know how many hundreds of businesses I've started prior to this. Um, I've, I, have you know, since I was a little kid, I was starting businesses, you know, but most of them failed, <laughs> you know, I'm sort of a fail fast <laughs> kind of girl. Like I mean, hundreds of businesses <laughs> starting in my head. Uh, this is my translator is my second major venture capital backed um, tech startup. HR technology is the space that we play in. Um, and I had another um company prior to this uh, called PeopleLinks, which was also HR technology, change management software is designed to change people's hearts and minds and behaviors at scale. Um, But that was focused on social media. So it's how do we teach social media at scale to hundreds of thousands of employees and provide best practices and gamify it and provide reporting and all that stuff. So that's what that previous business was. That was pre-transition. And then there's a long story behind all that, but I ended up transitioning and leaving that company, um, and starting this company, uh, very similar company in terms of like the business model, but different subject matter. So instead of teaching social media at scale, we're teaching empathy at scale. And, um, and that's all part of, you know, my journey and, um, and I'm excited to be here and learn, um, more about Mav and have a great conversation.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Uh, Mav. Let's hear about you.
3: Of course.
2: Thanks again for having me, Sarah. Um, I appreciate it. And the one thing I can promise you is that um, emotions are not something that I can, I can keep at bay, <laughs> especially with my background as a you know Italian Canadian. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm happy to be here talking to you today and, and also honored to be talking side by side with Natalie. You know, Natalie, I've, I've actually followed you for a little bit. Oh. And, uh, oh. there's some, yeah. And there's something that you said in an, in an interview with, um, I want to say it was the Resilience Leadership Institute. Oh, and it stuck oh. with me for, for a little bit. And you had mentioned that weird is not bad and right. that, uh, the best thing that you can possibly do for yourself is to be yourself. And, uh, and that's it. And I say this to our listeners because hi listeners, by the way, my name is, as, as was mentioned, Mark Anthony Vita, my pronouns are he, him. You can also call me math, um, but at the surface level, I'm a fairly young, arguably successful individual. I'm a Montrealer of Italian origin that settled here in Chicago. I'm a managing director at a global professional services firm of more than 700,000 people called Accenture. I sit on our uh, regional or Midwest executive committee for our strategy and consulting business, and I also lead our Chicago Pride ERG. But beneath that veneer, I've actually struggled a good amount. I felt different. I felt weird my whole life. And it's taken me a good amount of time to be able to take what was arguably something that was probably holding me back, a bit of a chip on my shoulder, and turn it into something that was positive. And if I look back, there's probably kind of one linchpin event that uh, probably started it all for me, at least from a professional standpoint. I remember very early on in my career, I was... It was quite impressionable. I was eager. I probably lacked the ability to think independently. And I was on this business trip with one of my consulting teams. We were going out for dinner one evening. And we were talking about the merits of a certain business model uh, that our client had. And I had offered up a suggestion to segment the way the client went to market. um, And to do so in a manner that was a little bit more representative of the different types of clients they served. And I remember my lead at the time standing up after I made my statement. And in a bit of a rather aggressive way, uh, and this was in French, by the way, and albeit it doesn't fully translate 100% in English, he told me that I was not cut from the same cloth as everyone else at the table. That comment was a bit of a low-handed jab at me, and certainly at my sexual orientation. The conversation escalated a little bit. Uh, and I remember walking out and crying my way back to the hotel. That feeling of not belonging, albeit it started there from a, work, from a workplace standpoint, um, it certainly didn't end there. And it persisted throughout that engagement. And then even sometime after that, it was hard, right? Yeah. And I felt like I was hiding. Now, fast forward about a year after that, I plopped myself onto another new engagement and had a few in between then. Um, but I had the most amazing and inclusive team. Um, and then having a chance to reflect on that original situation, you know, I did so at a much deeper level. That lead that I had on the original one was actually quite right, right? But also incredibly wrong. My cloth was certainly right. different. It wasn't J. Crew, it probably was Gucci. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but you know, the threads that hold me together um are much more than just my sexuality, right? It's my language, it's my education, it's my upbringing, my socioeconomic Mm -hmm. status, the way I present myself, neurodiversity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that makes me me, right? It's that intersection and the understanding, the appreciation, the inclusion thereof that really allows me to bring my best self and my best ideas forward. And all of that is linked, right? All of that makes me weird, but it's also something that makes me special and, um, it's my gift to those who are in my surroundings. And I think that's really why we're here today.
1: there's there's this quote and I can't think of all of it. I've got it hung on my board at home and I'm not at home, but it's the best people are weird. So intersectionality, I love how you 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 built that in, you know um to our conversation, Mav and Natalie, I remember when we first met and we were preparing for this, you know talk a couple of months ago, it it, it it, like for the first time had this big epiphany, like we're all intersectional and you just said it so eloquently, Mav, it's like, there's so many different dimensions to us, but talk to us. Cause I know this is embedded in a lot of the work that you do, Natalie, the, the intersectionality stack.
3: Sure.
1: Want to hear about uh, that?
3: <laughs> yeah. So, you yeah, know, and, and Mav, thank you for bringing that up. And, you know, we did talk about that a couple months ago and I was, I'm glad that we're bringing that back up. Um, intersectionality is really important to talk about and you know if the sort of my intersectional identity, you know, these all these layers that make me who I am, right? It's which is really interesting when you think about by the way when you're talking about the the sort of secret, you know, walking out of the house or walking to, you know, mm-hmm. with your secret like my secret was so big, I didn't even know I had it. And that's not like uncommon actually. You know, like that's but it was like it was like my whole life was a secret. I didn't even and I didn't even know that I was living a lie, basically. And I just didn't know it. Um, And as I sort of stepped into my truth and becoming Natalie, you know, I actually started to experience the sort of like peeling back of the layers of intersectionality. It was almost like the onion layers or, you know, however, Mm -hmm. whatever the right analogy is. But it was sort of interesting sort of stepping through them and realizing how many layers there are to this. And how sort of insulated I was in my bubble of what for me was white male privilege, you know, with access and resources. And it wasn't just, it wasn't just white male privilege. It was like white male privilege plus, 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 like it was like, mm-hmm. it was, it you know, and to start to lose that, that privilege, um, you know, kind of, or in my case, it was kind of an overnight <laughs> thing. Uh, in a lot of ways I sort of became an overnight minority. Um, but, you know, that realization of intersectionality was was is a big part of my my learning journey and you know originally when i heard the word it was it was it was being used in the context of uh oppression of black women right which, which right. is originally how it started as a term a legal
1: by Do- a, le- a legal term right
3: yeah, yeah coined yeah. by dr Lee kimberly crenshaw mm-hmm. and uh you know since then i think the terms evolved i mean it stayed true to its roots in a lot of ways i i believe i think i mean i uh, in the sense that, you know, it's describing the complexity of oppression based on multiple layers of an mm-hmm. identity. Mm-hmm. But again, originally framed around the idea of not just being a woman and not just being Black, but being Black and a woman.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And, you know, a Black woman with a disability, a Black queer woman with a disability, right? Because right. like you start to look at the depth of the stack, right? Or the how it becomes very, very complex. Um, and that's what defines who we are. And, and that's, you know, I have my own sort of version of that. And in some ways, I'm very highly privileged. In some ways, I'm much more marginalized. Um, but I came from a lot of privilege. And so what's, what's unique and actually is a privilege in and of itself is being able to, you know, that journey, to be able to like, go on that, you know, have that experience and, and then be able to share that. Um, so, so thank you again for the opportunity to kind of represent and, and share my story, which, you know, growing up, as I mentioned earlier, I didn't even, I didn't know my story. I didn't understand me. I didn't, I was, um, I was so repressed. Like, I didn't know who I was. Um, I, and I would bury my, like, if it's sort of, I would use masculinity as like a tool to like bury Mm -hmm. my real self like under layers of masculinity and i had a lot of i had a lot of testosterone so it was really easy in a lot of ways um but i i had no idea i had no idea there was little signs and glimpses you know like 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 breadcrumbs kind of along the way but there was no internet and there was no representation and there was no you know when i was five years old like i couldn't tell my brothers that i wanted to wear dresses like what Mm-hmm. What was I going to when it was like early eighties, like that's not happening, you know? And so now fast forward, you know, it, it seems like this gets a little bit, seems more commonplace, but back in the day, like we all, we were alone, you know, like I thought I was the only one I grew up thinking I'm the only one or I'm, or we're all like this and nobody's talking about it, but I just wasn't sure which was going on. And obviously I think it's a little bit something in the middle, but you know I grew up with shame and um you know I just the way I thought of the trans Community what we now call the trans Community you know back then uh, I and I can say this by the way but like you know we were I when I grew up in in Evansville Indiana in the early, in the 80s and I live in you know in a big city geographic region now in the Northeast but when I grew up in the early 80s like in Evansville Indiana my perception of what we call trans people now, but again, we're trannies then where these kind of weird half men, half women living under bridges with HIV or AIDS and drug problems. Yeah. And it scared the shit out of me, you yeah. know, and it's and 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 so did the idea of being gay. I remember when I, the first time I ever heard about that, it was like, I don't know, it was like a teacher or a principal at a school in my in my little town that got caught in like a bathroom at night on the yeah. weekend in a park and it was the sin it was awful like it was a scandal that blew up all over town and like it just scared me into like do not rock the boat like ju- just
1: mm-hmm.
3: you know and that's how I live my whole life that way and I've never and I and I'm finally alive at, you know I'm 45 now but
1: <laughs> anyway so, that's
3: I, I'm going on too long but I wanted to no,
1: no. oh about. my goodness no thank you thank you for like sharing that part of your story and, and, and speaking from the heart. So you, it was six, seven years ago, you said, when you're like, look, here's who I am. And, and it was, you know, clearly coming out to family friends, you know, work Mav, how how about you? What was your journey and like both personally and professionally and okay, look, here's who I am. And and to your point, I I loved how you put it. I have multiple threads that are woven together that make me incredible.
2: (laughs) Well, I guess, I guess for starters, I a little bit of context on on what I do at Accenture, right? I oversee our portfolio of services, uh, operation services, albeit in the strategy side of the house. Um, think of that as being more cost optimization type work, right? Mm-hmm. For our banks, our insurance uh, providers, our private equity firms, our asset managers. And just pause for a second. You can imagine that that's probably not the most um, forward thinking crowd all the time, right? No, probably not. (laughs) Right. Definitely conservative. Definitely. A lot of the, the items that, that Natalie had, had brought up earlier, um, resonate in, in the industry that I, that I work in. Right. Um, and in many capacities, you know, following that event that, that I spoke about earlier, um, I used to separate the only way that I could, I could function was to separate my personal life and my professional life. Right. And what happened at home was home and what happened in the workforce was work. And none of the two came together.
0: Yeah.
2: And after I had that realization that I had, that I um you know, that I had, that I'd spoken about just a little bit earlier, I also had a discussion with one of uh, one of the individuals that, that worked with me and um, they, kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone. And, you know, oftentimes we think about more the leaders that push, that, that push, that push you to be a little bit more comfortable. But in this case, it was actually someone who's more junior and said, you know, Mark, you have an opportunity to be the voice for people like us, right? And to set a standard for, um, for being authentic. And, you know, if you do that, I think a lot more people would follow suit. And that's what kind of changed everything for me. So since then, I chose to to kind of mirror the the two, right? My professional life is my my personal life, and my personal life is my professional. Albeit, I do keep some boundaries in between, um, right? Um, they certainly the two have come together. So
1: I am so in awe of both of you. Uh, all right, well, what, we're we're going to take a quick quick commercial break. Uh, so please don't leave us uh, when we come back. You know, both Mav and Natalie are going to share, you know, their advice and guidance as to, you know, hey, as a leader, you know, what can you be doing, you know, for your team members, for your organization? What, what should you be building into your culture so that, you know, everybody who is intersectional can embrace every single aspect of that stack of uniqueness that they have in them. So please come back, grab a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, and we'll be back.
0: For over 20 years, Next up has been bringing professional women, allies, and corporate partners together to champion gender equity and advance all women in their careers. Together, we are a powerful, growing community of over 14,000 members and 300-plus regional and corporate sponsors. We work to create leadership opportunities, amplify women's voices in the workplace, and ensure that all women in business can seize opportunities in the now and in the next. Members of Next up, gain access to a broad community of like-minded professionals dedicated to women's equity and leadership development across our 21 regional communities, get best-in-class leadership development opportunities, and attend our two annual national conferences, which bring together the strongest minds in DEI&B and leadership. Join Next Up today. Visit nextupisnow.org slash membership to learn more about becoming a member. That's nextupisnow.org slash membership.
1: It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
0: You are listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Want to learn more about the show and about Next Up? Visit our website at nextupisnow.org. That's nextupisnow.org. Now, back to Advancing All Women.
1: Well, welcome back, everybody, to Advancing All Women with your host, Sarah Alter. Today, we are talking about intersectionality in the tech and financial services industries. And I am joined by two inspiring leaders and individuals who are navigating this journey and graciously sharing their stories with all of us. I'm joined by Mark Anthony Vita, MAV, a managing director at Accenture, and then Natalie Egan, CEO and founder of Translator so natalie let's let's start off with you you know now what i want to do is shift into okay what advice like what guidance can we give what are those better practices and the very nature of translator i think is just a a wealth of ideas from there so let's start with you share some of those ideas that you want um, leaders to pursue
3: yeah. Well, okay. Um, so I think, um, you know, if I could just like push a button and have all the leaders out there, like do what I want them to do. Uh, no, um, I would, I, I think, I think, um, you know, the, the advice I would share is or is probably twofold and I'll try and capture it quickly. But the idea that I, I think, you know, self-awareness, you know, really matters. Right. Like, um, you know, we, I talked about empathy earlier, like how do we scale empathy with technology? Like that's the core of, of our, of our business is about, is about empathy. Like how do we use technology to scale empathy? And, and you can't have empathy without self-awareness. That was something I learned that was part of my journey. You know, I think people, they like, they look for self-awareness and people, they want to teach self-awareness, but really what you would need to do is to teach self-awareness. Um, And it is something that you can teach. Um, Mm -hmm. Empathy is, um, you know, is sort of the outcome of that. And um, the same, you know, principle holds true for corporations in terms of like what I would call organizational empathy. So you can't have organizational empathy if you don't have organizational awareness right? And so in order to get organizational awareness, you have to understand your people. You have to understand their lived experiences. You have to understand their intersectional identities, right? And most people, most businesses were built to not connect with their employees because everybody was supposed to assimilate and everybody was supposed to have the same benefits and everybody was supposed to be the same. And the sameness is what would win. And these days that's like completely shifted. So in order to survive, you have to you know, you have to have organizational empathy. You have, in order to retain your employees, in order to like, um, to attract new employees, you know, to get the best out of your employees, you have to to sort of almost like micro uh, empathize with them. And that's hard to do. It's hard for organizations to do, especially when they have so little understanding of who their employees really are and what their lived experiences are. So translators sort of exist to like close that gap. Um, it's, it is a training technology technically, um, it's designed to do, it's a, it's thinking of it as like tech tools for trainers. That's like probably an easy way to think about it. We focus on diversity, equity, inclusion. That's kind of our first go to market, um, but tech tools for trainers. So if you're a trainer, if you're doing DEI training, you would use our technology when you do the training, it makes for a higher impact, you know, learning experience. Um, there's all kinds of stuff I could describe, but you know, you're using technology in a live training. So it helps with that. It also creates a ton of data. It's anonymous. And all that data feeds up organizationally to help companies better understand their employees, right? Who are they? What are they struggling with? Like, you may know how many black employees you have or black male employees you have or how many black male employees you have in a certain division, but you don't understand the lived experience of a black male employee that works for your company. You just don't. Yeah. And if you don't, then you don't understand how to retain them and engage them and attract new Blackmail a place, um, so that's what our technology is trying to do: is sort of tra- change hearts and minds and behaviors with ongoing content, sort of curated experiences um, they are they're live, cohort-driven, designed to bring people together in relationship. Right, and and we find that in order to change, you need to be in relationship. Like that's kind of like a so we bring people together in relationships, so that drives that helps foster mm-hmm. change and. You know learning opportunities people are learning from each other more than they're learning from us by the way like our content is light the technology is delivers an experience the experience is designed to make you think about your own identity and other people's identities and then you share stories and talk about it in a live setting and we collect data anonymously throughout that so that data, <laughs> is what helps change. I would just, like, I would say in order to be, have organizational empathy, like you need that data, you need to understand your employees and then you take action on it. And that's, that's why we exist. That's what we do. And, you know,
1: but it's not just your age, you know, are you male or female? Right. Like, like that, you know, I think back on, okay, I'm 57 years old. It's out there, you know, the, the forms I filled out as like a first time employee, you know, that was it. But what you're talking about is let's broaden, you know, embrace sharing pronouns, you know, you know, make sure you have more than just the male, female or other, you know, there are so many ways that you can broaden the collection of data that informs you then right as a leader and educates you that, wow, I've got a richness and my community of intersectionality and how do how do I embrace it? How do I leverage it, you know, as a strength? And um, you know, like we I, I it, you know, a couple years ago, my team at at, at Next Up said, hey, we got to practice what we preach. And right now we've got male, female, other. Like we need to broaden that, you know, and, and so I love what you're talking about. And and I yeah. imagine too, with all you said DEI, it's that B as well. Like how do you create that culture then where everybody feels like they belong? They've been included, but you know, do they do they truly belong? And it's it's embracing the intersectionality and facilitating it um, and supporting it and celebrating it is what's so important. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, So Mav. Um, it, it you uh, have had, you know, just as, as Natalie has navigated the tech world and the startup world, you know, you've been navigating the financial services world, but you're at Accenture, which, you know, one of our favorite... We're like the
3: two opposite companies, but... Right? <laughs> exactly,
2: exactly. Right. I have a, a
3: seven-person startup, and you have a 700,000-person, <laughs> okay. like... Okay. <laughs> Magic one, but but a lot of the uh, techniques we use are actually quite a oh,
0: so. yeah. lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, and and it it and and Natalie, I you know, I was just about to say, and I'm not supposed to have favorites, you know, my kids are always like, Do you have a favorite kid? And I'm like, No, 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 everybody's my favorite, but I do have favorite partners, and Accenture is one of them oh. because they are another great, like translator, another great source or wealth of. Guidance, you know, when it comes to doing it right, so Mav, share with us you know some of the things that you know Accenture does that others can can potentially leverage.
2: yeah, certainly. Well, let me start off with I'm just and this is not a I'm not being paid to say this, albeit Accenture does pay for my paycheck. I'm so incredibly <laughs> grateful to work at a company like Accenture that really values and celebrates you know intrinsic differences. Um, the firm has certainly provided me with incredible opportunities that, you know, I otherwise would not have had both personally and professionally, and even at times in the communities where, you know, that I serve or that I live in. Um, and what many don't realize about Accenture, and you probably only get a sense of it as you kind of go up the ranks, as you get to kind of that managing director or that partner level, um, is that inclusion and diversity is actually embedded by design in almost everything that we do in how we operate our business. Um, you know, we're intentional on decisions we take and, and actions we, or decisions we make and actions that we take all in an effort to make sure that we're creating and sustaining a culture of equality where in a sense, everyone can thrive, but also do so in being their own unique self. So I say that, but, you know, let me start to kind of make this real and I'll probably do so in a stereotypical Kind of consulting type way in, in using our rule of three or kind of thinking about three items that we're doing, right?
1: And
2: rule three, yeah, rule of three. It works. Rule every of three. Time. Oh,
1: every time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, the first one is it's really the core of it and it's the foundation, right? Um, it's our exhaustive kind of training program that we have, right? It's all anchored around recognizing exclusions. So through them, we we really look mm. to push our employees to continuously question. Kind of how they're selling, how they're delivering, and how they're working. So think about things like asking yourself, um, "What have we assumed to be true? Who haven't we heard from, and have we considered another way of doing things?" Now we do this in a in a series of different ways, um, including forcing ourselves to acknowledge kind of our biases, Mm -hmm. providing targeted guidance on how to build inclusive teams, and also challenging our resources to make our work products. Uh, inclusive for everyone. Um, so there's a little bit of a, a cheat sheet, a checklist that we use at the end of our engagements to kind of think, hey, did we really mm-hmm. think through this in an exhaustive manner? All right. Now let's get into the second piece. And, and this will um, be actually quite similar to items that, um, that Natalie had brought up earlier. And it's really around how do we optimize and how do we optimize everything through data, right? We're a technology-led company. Everything we do is routed in data. So we collect a good amount of information on our people. um, And within a lawful way, and to the extent that our resources feel comfortable, um, we also get our resources to self-identify on a series of other dimensions um, that we don't typically typically collect at the beginning of their employment. We then match up that data against other operational information that we collect, uh, to come up with micro actions that we can take to better our business for everyone. So I know in my role uh, overseeing inclusion and diversity for the Midwest specifically, I personally sit down with my HR business partner on a weekly basis to understand the trends that we're seeing and to take action. So every week we have a revolving topic. It could be this week recruiting, it could be engagement, it could be retention, it could be attrition, you name it. Um, but what we've learned over time is that those micro actions are generally a lot more successful, a lot more powerful, a lot more impactful than those broad stroking programs um, that you can kind of put in place and that Mm -hmm. are, um, you know, standardized for every different type or uh, every different type of business or every different service line. um, Those micro actions tend to to be a lot more impactful. Um, And then the third part, probably the last last piece and, and, and probably the most intangible uh, out of all of them, but certainly in my opinion, the most important is what we call uh, you know, being truly human. Right. And the gist of it is really just being kind, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that includes keeping an open mind, listening to understand versus to react. It's funny, I just had to have a conversation with someone who works with me uh last week on Friday about this. Um, and showing up for each other when hard conversations are required. Being transparent around your priorities and how we can help one another, um, and bringing inclusion into our business and compensation models, which that has been a learning point. Um, and then a, a couple of just other items: just having a good understanding of yourself and what makes you special, and yeah. together that just makes it a lot easier to be kind. So,
1: it it one of our our amazing um, partners and and members, Lisa Walsh. I love her quote, do not mistake my kindness as weakness, <laughs> right? And sadly, mm-hmm. you know, that is one of those outdated business philosophies. You know, if you're kind, you're weak. Got to ditch that one for sure. Yep. It, so, so Natalie, how, it, it, so a translator then, like I, I can appreciate with Accenture, you do a whole, like just amazing work internally within your organization. And then I know you also consult, you know, with other leaders and organizations to help build DEIB, you know, into the DNA, into the culture, into the strategy. But how does one engage then with translator? Because I am always here to hawk for any of my guests and their organizations. (laughs) So how do we, how do we engage with translator? How do we leverage your incredible group? Oh,
3: uh, th- thank you uh for that of opportunity course. um and I you know just expanding a little bit on you know what I was talking about um a few minutes ago um you know it's think of it as, a, as I mentioned earlier it's a it's a training technology platform um but it's not asynchronous right so it's not an LMS that you log into you know at two in the morning or two in the afternoon or whatever and you do by yourself it's a a group you know, uh, learning tool, collaborative learning tools. That's that they, what's so key, so, yeah, right? The yeah. collaborative learning tool, um, and so yeah, I mean, and it's and it's it's designed to you know bring people together again. So we're learning from each other, right? We're learning from our lived experiences. I'm sharing stories. Mav is sharing stories. You're sharing stories. This is actually what the technology is designed to sort of capture: is this storytelling. Kind of cohort learning experience that the podcast is really doing, but it's now being facilitated by a technology. Uh, so there's there's actually an AI and uh, an artificial intelligence that is is kind of becomes your co-facilitator. So um, the way it gets used is uh, we license the technology to corporations, schools, or nonprofits. Like I said, but let's say a company is using it, they have employees internally that they would put through our train the trainer program. So we would license them. The technology and the curriculum—they um, can actually build their own curriculum too, but that's a side thing. But we would we would equip an employee at a company to use our technology and our curriculum, and then they go around their own company doing small cohort-based like learning experiences, like fifty people at a time. You know, it could be a little bit less, could be a little bit more, but you just keep doing it over and over and over again. And it's sort of the technology helps people have difficult conversations. It helps facilitate these um, learning experiences. And again, I can't emphasize enough. It's not like, here's what a microaggression is. Like our technology doesn't do that. It's not like, here's what unconscious bias is. It actually makes you feel unconscious bias. Like there's a huge difference between learning what it is academically and experiencing it. So all of the the way the platform works, if I were running a session right now, we would be, there'd be my AI kind of co-facilitator that would be sharing some content with you And then we would do um, exercises anonymously together in real time on our phones. So you scan a QR code, it takes you to a web based anonymous app, and it starts to ask you questions like, you know, um, swipe down if you don't, if you often don't feel comfortable walking home alone at night. Or, Hmm. you know, swipe up if you feel, if you're happy with the way your identity is portrayed in the media or swipe down if, you know, so there's all these different questions and types of exercises that make you understand like privilege and marginalization or make you, you know, without actually learning, we're not going to actually like academically teach you what that is. You're going to sort of experience it. And then we talk about it as a group afterwards. And that's where people go, oh, right. That's that makes sense now. Like, I've heard about that for a long time. Like, why I shouldn't do X? Like, why I shouldn't touch yeah. people's hair, right? In particular, Black people, right? Yeah. Black, black and right. brown people. You don't want to, I mean, and I think anybody, don't touch people without their consent. But right. just in general, Period. like, like yeah. you know, like, that's something that is is something that, like, you would learn when somebody shares that story and then tells you the trauma that it brings up going back to, like, their childhood or whatever it is. That's actually how i learned that by the way <laughs> like that was my situation you know i used to have uh, an employee that worked for me at my previous company a black woman and every day i would walk by her and i would touch her hair it was sort of like a good morning and i was walking up from behind her and it was and she would never say anything to me ever she was never she never was going to say and she never did anything did say anything to me but i learned you know many years later in a story telling situation yeah. The trauma yeah. that that creates and this sort of, you know, everything that was wrong with what I was doing, which was, you know, it was, it's, I mean, just to the core. Um, but, you know, I couldn't learn that until I heard that story from them firsthand. And and that's what the technology is designed to facilitate. And again, we collect data through the process and then we share that data back. So,
1: But it creates that safe space. Right,
3: where we actually, we actually call it safe space technology.
1: You right, you can be anonymous. You don't feel judged. It it, it always other- makes. It, it, yeah, it 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 makes me think about. I had a an adventure at Discover Financial Services, and we were able to improve collection efforts exponentially by instead of a phone call, it was like through emails or through a website because people didn't feel judged. They could handle this situation, right? You know, anonymously. And so I love this environment that this creates and it's, you know, you know, so way beyond credit card, you know, debt collection. But, but I just remember, you know, everybody thinking like, oh, they're just going to ignore it. And it's like, no, it actually respected them. It enabled them with tools and advice and guidance how to figure out how to navigate this journey. And so- I love, love, love what you're doing. Um, for anybody listening to, we're gonna um, you know, include information on both Mav and and Natalie and both of their organizations. So if you wanna reach back out later to, you know, connect to explore how both of their organizations and companies could be of help to you. That would be fantastic. Sadly, our time is up. And uh, gosh, it, thank you both so very much, Natalie and Mav. Cannot thank you enough for you know joining me for sharing your stories and your journeys and and your perspectives and as as I said I'm so in awe of you and so inspired by both of you so thank you thank you again and uh, Voice America thank you thank you for always giving me and next up the opportunity to continue to support and guide and you know teach leaders how to do a better job taking care of their teams and their organizations. You know, so grateful for you. And listeners, thank you so much for always coming back for more. I'm Sarah Alter, your host of Advancing All Women. Have a fantastic day. If you want to listen to any of our podcasts or in particular today's podcast, you can uh, see all of the details on that at nextupisnow.org. Have a wonderful day.
0: Thanks for listening to Advancing All Women with Next Up. Be sure to check out all the episodes on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.